You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. On another exciting entry of Animation Deliberation, we cover the 18th episode of the fourth season of Young Justice, a.k.a. Phantoms, Beyond the Grip of the Gods. And we'll get right into that after some ads we have no say over whatsoever. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. I am your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair, and that somewhat tempered yeah that you just heard was from my co-host Suhair Ali making his I won't say full-on triumphant return but it is great to have (laughs) you back buddy I know you were busy with the helmet of fate and doing your duty to to Nebu and whatnot but uh definitely good to have you back we missed you how you feeling my friend yeah man the the helmet of fate is pretty wild but I think I have uh allergies to some of that mystic magic that comes with it Mm. um not looking forward to my turn again as I'm still getting rid of the repercussions of the first go around, but Hey, it's a wild ride and and I'm here. Definitely good to have you back. We certainly missed you. And when I refer to we, not only the listeners myself, but uh, also our compatriot, Andrew Rogers, unfortunately he's not here today. He is, you know, doing his auditions for the justice league reserves but we definitely miss him, and he did a very stalwart effort uh, filling in as we covered the first four episodes of this return to season four. But uh, before we get your thoughts on the episodes that you weren't around to give your thoughts on, this episode that we're covering, episode 18, was dedicated to the memory of a Young Justice alumni, and you've got that information pulled up for us, so let us let us know what's going on there. Yeah, the the voice actor for Blockbuster in the first season, uh, Rene Abrigena, uh passed away on December 8th, 2019 at the age of 79. He uh, also worked as Odo on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He was Chef Louis on The Little Mermaid and, mm. and many more things. He has quite the repertoire and yeah rest in peace and yeah we appreciate the talent that he lent to the show voicing blockbuster and yeah chef louis from little mermaid is probably the one that i recognize the most but yeah it sounded like you know he had a very celebrated career and uh 
79 is not terribly, terribly old, but it's also, you know, a, a nice long and full life. So I don't know the exact circumstances of his death, but uh, it's nice to see the show pay homage to him and dedicate to the, this episode to his memory. It's one of those weeks where um, I can't help but also think of Moon Knight. Their episode was dedicated uh, to an actor that passed away as well, Gaspard Goulier, who portrayed the character that might have gone on to play Midnight Man, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, he had lung cancer that spread to his brain. Oh, is that is that what happened? Hey. Mm-hmm. Oh, terrible thoughts with his you know friends, family, and uh, all the people that he worked with that are missing him. Live life to the fullest, my friends. It's way too short. Indeed, indeed. Well, it's kind of hard to pivot from such a dour note there, but we do have a show to celebrate here. It is the podcast that conversates and celebrates our favorite action animated series so zuhair you weren't around for the first two episodes of coverage that we did on the return to young justice phantoms let me know what do, what do you think and i won't ask you to do the scale from yeah to because yeah! <laughs> i know that, that won't be kind on your voice but uh let me know what yeah you i tried i tried doing it with matt on that one episode <laughs> just about coughed my insides out <laughs> so let's not let's not repeat that yep yeah, this this show is just great. Uh, I loved everything on the Aquaman arc. I was surprised he just kind of threw all of it at once and then just only had us wait for the finale. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm not sure how I felt about it just being so rushed. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. enjoying like weekly coverage, especially since it was three episodes. I just didn't have the time to watch it. And I was like, ah, I'm going to have to miss this. And then I had to play catch up. And then I was an episode behind again. It works insane in case you guys haven't been able to tell. Uh, so, yeah. I'm absolutely loving the show. I'm loving the pacing. And I kind of relate it to like phase two of the MCU where we have like our characters established, but they're making references to like other things that are happening and essentially building this bigger story. I know that we had talked in the first part about how we like the arc system, but we kind of like miss things happening and referencing and pacing. And I feel like they're kind of giving us the boast where they started off with the arcs, but now like all this stuff is tying together, you know, with the pillar of fire coming in and Dr. Fade and Zatanna checking it out and the disappearing. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's almost like that happened in another movie and they made the reference to this one, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the fact that they actually took the time to start off with one and kind of like funnel out instead of it just being strictly arcs, like it's just such a great balance of both. And yeah, you know, we have a few more left. I think we're tinkling a little bit of Superboy. We got Rocket, which we're starting on today. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as always, the the humor, the pacing, and then just kind of like the inclusiveness that everything's been incorporating into the show is just really beautiful to watch. Yeah, well said. I, I like the comparison there to the MCU, imagining these like three or four episode arcs as their own films that, you mm-hmm. know, focus on a particular set of characters and then you get the crossover event later on that's yeah that's that's a nice comparison there yeah i was i was bummed but kind of happy that i couldn't make it for the episode where uh halo was you know talking about islam and Mm. trying to connect with that and everything and the reason that i was saying that i was happy for it is like it's one thing for me to be able to explain my perspective on it i was excited to hear what people who were unfamiliar with it got out of that yeah. Because that was the whole purpose of that scene was to educate and enlighten and, you know, kind of open the door and have that 
option to kind of understand uh, what the culture was like. So, you know, hearing you guys actually be able to talk about it was, I, I think, more powerful than me explaining it because I got to see if they succeeded in their mission and explaining what their objective was. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. That means a lot. We definitely missed you and, and didn't want to misspeak without having you here. But yeah, it's why I continue to to love the show so much outside of like the awesome action it delivers, the great character development and whatnot. Just the attention to detail when it comes to social issues and just educating because mm-hmm. we know that animation is not just for kids. It's also for adults. But a lot of the younger people are tuning in to this show. So it's just really heartwarming to know that the show is doing that excellent a job tackling those issues yeah anybody who goes out of their way to shut down someone who's trying to understand and ask questions like that's immediate disrespect like if somebody actually takes the time to ask questions and understand a a culture or a concept or anything that's considered a social issue these days like they deserve to be you know treated with the opportunity to potentially be given answers or at least be given some perspective. So, um, you know, anytime that anybody has a question, whether it be uh, culture or race or ethnicity or anything like that, like I'm always open to, to answer it. But um, I, I think it's only offensive when people assume if somebody is genuine, like, Hey, I want to learn, you know, you, you can't rag somebody for that. Yeah, definitely not. The pursuit of knowledge is one of the highest callings in my opinion. And, I'm always wary of those people that act like they have all the answers. Those are the people you Mm -hmm. can't trust. Those are the cult leaders. (laughs) But anyway, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the episodes that you did not get to give your thoughts on yet? Not so much about the, the episodes themselves. There was one point where, um, when you guys were talking about the Anak title, like I perceived it as like referring to him, like as King or Sire or something. So, I mean, I was listening, I think, yesterday when I was driving around for work trying to catch up before recording today. So that was one of those things where it's like, man, they didn't catch on to that. I wish I was there to say that. But I was like, you know what? Either one of them is going to look it up or TJ is going to write it. So they're good. So when I listened to (laughs) the latest episode and, of course, all the stuff was put out, I'm like, I love my guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was fairly self-explanatory, but I, I again it's coming from that perspective of not wanting to assume anything and yeah, trusting yeah. the show to, <laughs> to give us the answers as well as our dedicated listeners. Yeah. So anything I want, I wanted said, I think was just kind of brought up already. So we're good. I, I mean, there's stuff I wanted to say like about the show in general, and I guess we can, can start our, our, our coverage of the episode. One of the things that impresses hmm. me about this is typically when it comes to superhero content, they draw references from the comic books Right. And people feel like they need to read up on the comics to understand the characters that are being introduced. What I find fascinating about Young Justice, and they've been doing this for a couple of seasons now, but I'm noticing the trend more and more, is that they're referencing their other titles in film and movies, specifically the DCU and the CW shows. Oh, interesting. So when they had the whole thing with Leviathan, they didn't need to explain who all that was because a majority of the people have seen Aquaman already. Right. So there right. was a lot of like similarities and parallels with characters that they've had before. Uh, the way that they introduced Robot Man and the oh, Doom yeah. Patrol, because yeah. they have three seasons of the show, there was a familiarity. Uh, we had during the um, 
the Justice League Reserves, they were talking about Peacemaker. And of course, there's a show and a movie off of him. So yeah, fans yeah. instantly knew who that was. Yep. And then our newest character that we had in the episode today, Ray, he was in uh, one of the CW uh, crossovers when they went back in time and they were stuck in uh, one of the timelines or one of the multiverses went with oh. like Nazi Germany. Oh, okay. I, I hate to correct you there, but if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Ray is a separate character from Light Ray. Light Ray is a new god, and there is the character the Ray, who they actually have like, uh, a oh, okay. animated webtoon about as well. But um, I could I could see why it'd be easy to make that mistake. But yeah, you, not to take away from your point at all, the the synergy is definitely there, um, especially yeah with the the call out the Peacemaker. And it's interesting that you bring up Doom Patrol because we'll get into um, some of the revelations that came with like mystery characters that had been kind of floating around, but I could not mm-hmm. help but notice um, two characters that share a surname. That's all I'll say for now. They were both voiced by Phil Moore, excuse me, Phil Morris, who actually portrays Silas Stone on Doom Patrol. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the synergy is definitely there. Yeah. So that's just one of those things that's impressed me with DC is that they just keep referring to characters that um, we kind of have some familiarity through their own film Mm. and tv shows and not necessarily just raw comic material yeah definitely and with that in mind i'm I'm really glad that they decided to focus on rocket raquel because we had kind of speculated in our previous coverage like we knew we were going into a new arc we hadn't got the promotional images yet and we kind of speculated all right it's either going to be rocket because you know we have that opening sequence where we get to see the founding members including zatanna and rocket or it could possibly focus back on nightwing and maybe red hood because that's a character that's been teased a bit but for my purposes i'm really glad that they chose to go with rocket because she's always been there she's always been on the periphery we saw her join the team at the end of season one and and have a little bit of action there and we knew she was icon sidekick and whatnot but outside of that outside of a few side appearances here and there i i didn't know anything about her i didn't know where her powers came from i didn't know how her powers exactly worked and it was just we still didn't get all the answers in this episode but it was great to start to get a little bit of a peek about who Rocket really is and what makes her tick and what her motivations are. Yeah, not that I not that I doubt Young Justice at all, but when they put her on that cover and with that fantastic theme, mm. my first reaction was make me care. Okay. Because I have so much of a connection with all these other characters already and I'm excited to see more of them. If you're going to put a four episode arc towards rocket. My very important thing was make me care. And mm. I think the first episode was a good step towards that. It wasn't like, Oh my God, we're wasting time with rocket. Uh, right. Not that the show really does too much with that, except for saying forager bajillion times over and over <laughs> again. But I think they're on a good step and they're, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about the arc. If that makes sense. It is. It does seem to be a bigger picture than just her. Sure. But for what they're what they seem to be going with, it doesn't seem like, man, we have to spend four four episodes on this. Yeah. Yeah. Not at this point in time. Anyway, it's and it's where the show kind of like helps fill in the gaps a little bit. Like, I love the episode that we just came off of that closed the Atlantean arc because it basically, for the most part, took place in Atlantis. We didn't have these little cutaways to differing storylines and whatnot. And I really enjoyed that change of pace, but here we jumped around quite a bit. We had, you know, Rocket's opening scene with her son that we can discuss in detail, but then from there it really becomes like this um, ambassador mission with her, Jay Garrick and Forger. 
going to the planet of New Genesis. And that was all intercut with, you know, visits to Apocalypse, as well as little snippets of what Superboy had going on in what we now have confirmed to be the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. So I, I do want to talk about the opening scene with her son, because we had seen Amistad before. I recall it was the episode in season three. I want to say it was Home Fires, where we actually had Orm stalking the various heroes that were collecting at uh, Barry Allen's house, I believe it was, for the baby shower. I think so. Okay. Well, I remember Amistad like really standing out to me even when he was younger, because I think it was when Karen Bumblebee came to the door and Rocket answered and had Amistad in her arms. He was like, that's a baby in that belly or something like that. And it was played for comedic oh, yeah. effects. But I was like, why why does this why would this kid respond like that? And it just makes mm-hmm. so much more sense in retrospect. And I feel a little bit bad about laughing at it back then, but it really felt like it was played for comedic purposes at that point in time. And so I don't feel that bad. But now just getting the full picture, it became very obvious to me very quickly that Amistad was suffering from some form of, uh, excuse me, from autism. At first I was wondering, is this just like a bad voice performance from an adult trying to sound like a child, which happens Mm -hmm. sometimes it it does happen, but no, um, he clearly, you know, has some sensory issues in terms of like wanting his car to be facing with the wheels up, needing his wool hat and then the, the black and white cookie. And then, even on the train, when the train didn't stop at the correct stop, that was a nice little shout out to the through line of 16. They always stop at 16th Street. And we know this t- place t- takes place in Universe 16. So what did you what did you think about all that stuff and getting that little insight into Rocket's personal life and what she has going on with her son as well as her, I don't know if it was former husband or just former partner. Yeah, I kind of wanted to say baby daddy for the sake of conversation nah, that works so i'll assume and if they correct me later on good for them um i i think it's one of those things that's like it's not even to feel bad for because they kind of like hit their objective with that and how people just don't notice and don't realize because we sure as hell didn't notice we just thought it was a weird bit and yeah sure um so again like they have an objective they're you know there's an understanding that um cases like this aren't typically noticed uh in this episode however i did kind of pick it up right off the bat because that's something that my cousin deals with oh okay there was actually you know one point when i was visiting and like all the doors had to be closed at all time like even if you're working on something or moving something around or you know we're just you know sitting together and everything and if you try to like open the door and leave it there tell them no like it would be like a freak out moment oh okay uh, so once I saw the, the cars needing to be up, that's when I was like, oh, he's autistic or he's somewhere oh, okay. on the spectrum, you know, sure. because there's different variations, there's different levels. Um, so if you guys do want information on that, just type in like autism spectrum and you can find like the variations of it. Cause there's sure. some people who are just very distinct with it and some who just kind of have like their nuances that bother them. Right. Sure. Uh, so that's another, another part of that was that people, um, who are on the spectrum, like don't like to be touched like oh, okay. like that. Right. So when she was getting frustrated and trying to grab him, like that triggers him even more. So, right. You know, it was, they, they did a very well job at depicting that. Cause again, like somebody who recognizes it was like, Oh, that's what he's dealing with. And people who aren't are just kind of like, what's going on. And it was very important that they had that scene on the train. I kind of saw that coming too. This is a, oh, sure. this is a very, uh, 
predictable with what they were going with here. Yeah. Sure. But when she when he pointed out the old lady for smelling, she was like, you need to teach your kids some manners. I was like, it ain't that easy, lady. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like it really is frustrating on the parent. It really is frustrating mm. being in public spaces because there's so many triggers that if you hit them the wrong way, like there's only so much that you can do. Just the, the instinct that takes over there is, is just, that's just how they operate. I don't want to say, I don't want to say unfortunate, but it is difficult to deal with, with a growing child who doesn't quite understand like why he's feeling the way that he's feeling. Yeah. That makes all the sense in the world. And that's, you know, kind of enlightening to know that you've dealt with it firsthand in your life. I mean, I've, seen, you know, people with autism at certain points in my life, but I've never had prolonged interactions with anyone like that. So it's, it's, it is very enlightening to, to learn that and, and hear about it. But you talk about the difficulty that's in the stress that's placed on the parent. I think they did a very deft job of portraying that because you do sense that kind of desperation and frustration from Rocket, not only just on the train, where she kind of blows up at that lady, like, don't tell me what my son needs. But even with her husband, like her husband's talking about, you know, taking him to um, some specialist or something like that. And she's like, enough with the the acronyms. I don't see how that's necessary. So I've, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't say it's like denial about the situation, but it just seems like she's almost kind of like fed up and, and frustrated mm-hmm. and tired of going through this, this process and the system. And, um, you know, I know the system has not always done the best job of, giving the best care to people that, that suffer from mental illness and whatnot. So mm-hmm. just great job on the show for really humanizing rocket, a character that we've known very little bit about. Yeah. But you, you talked about some of the predictability. That was one thing for this episode with me. That's kind of, I'm, I'm, you know, hesitant to be too critical this early on in the arc, but I, I think the, angle that they're going for with the parallels between Amistad and Orion, the new God that we run into later mm-hmm. were a little bit, I guess, too heavily forecasted for me. Yeah. It's like rocket as a mother who's dealt with this autistic child should have a little more sympathy towards this new God who obviously has a similar issue. I mean, it's hint. I don't know if it's spelled out exactly, but it's hinted at very heavily that while the high father and high mother are his adoptive parents, it seems like dark side is probably his biological father. No. Oh, I never caught that at all. Okay. I don't think they said it explicitly, but the that was way just that, my assumption. The way that he said like another flaw of like my genetic father or something. I thought he actually had a human father that was possibly oh. autistic. That's what I took oh. out of that. Okay. Interesting. I just thought, you know, with the red eyes and especially when he went into his rage fit, the way that he, he looked like one of the gods, new gods from Apocalypse or something like that. Yeah, I think he might be like half new god, half human. Oh, interesting. Okay. I don't know enough so about How are the these character. people meeting like that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's still early on in the arc. I'm sure the show will do continue to do a, a good job of exploring that angle with rocket and her reception to the character as well as endearing us to this character of Orion, unless he, he goes down a darker path. I feel kind of bad, but you know, when I was talking about how direct it is, like when, when I first realized what was going on, 
I kind of jokingly said to myself, I was like, all right, what's the social issue of this episode? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like every arc is kind of focusing on one. And the show does a great job at like including it. It doesn't feel forced. Sure. Uh, unlike girl, unlike, excuse me, unlike shows like um, uh, Supergirl that just kind of like pounded it a little more than they should. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. Arrow and Flash did a pretty smooth job. But that one just it got a little wild. Uh, so they do a really good job at incorporating it, but that doesn't change the fact that they do do it so much. They just kind of have like, all right, what do we have for this arc? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But we'll we'll see what they do. I I have all the faith in the world in them. I did think it was a very interesting choice in the kind of hodgepodge crew that they decided to go on this ambassador mission. Mm-hmm. Jay Garrick forager and rocket and don't get me wrong it's nice to spend time with new characters like jay garrick but last time i checked the show was called young justice wasn't it he's about the <laughs> oldest oldest person they've got at this point i mean it still had larvas oh yeah yeah that's true that's true <laughs> i did love his his line about all the multiple foragers going on there it's like okay you're forager she's forager are there any other foragers I should know about? Man, I gotta say, Jay Garrick is more patient of a man than I. <laughs> and I th- I think he was my favorite character in this episode. Oh, okay, cool. Because I respect the hell out of a man who's like a veteran in his craft, but can take orders from clear authority. Sure. So while Rocket seemed to be the boss in this, when it was like, hey, Jay, do this, like he was ready to follow orders and kind of give his input as need be. But he Mm -hmm. was still that source of wisdom when need be as well. Like when it was appropriate, when there was a debrief point or a breakdown point, that's Mm -hmm. when he could be like, hey, with experience, I feel like we should do this. I feel like we should do that. But in no way did he ever take command. And for somebody who has worked by himself for so long and then in the Justice Society, which was a much smaller group for him to have that uh, for for him to have kind of like that warrior ability to kind of like sit back when he needs to and step up at the right time. I I absolutely love that. Like he is my favorite character in this arc so far because of that alone. Yeah, those are all excellent points and kind of not that he needed redemption in my eyes, but his inclusion makes a lot more sense with you highlighting all that. And I think he was the one that kind of reassured Rocket after the skirmish where she was really Mm -hmm. feeling down on herself about, you know, not stepping up when she needed to and hesitating. Yeah, that's why you have a seasoned veteran like that to point out everything that she did that that was right and how she can learn from this so mm-hmm. yeah and that and he also saved the the larva yay it would have been unforgivable if if you allowed them to get hurt on screen you <laughs> 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 know <laughs> this is kind of, this is kind of bad of me too but uh when when the larva like obviously weren't listening because they were told by lady forager to hold mm-hmm. on to the stuff um when orion kind of flipped out and smacked him i was like yep sometimes kids need some smacking <laughs> you said it not me <laughs> <laughs> i mean wayne from uh, letter candy says it too yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so he just, I, another one that i just kind of felt bad for thinking but it was also funny in the moment <laughs> it was funny because it took me a moment to actually realize that was orion because he looks so different without his like almost kind of peace like peacemaker like helm mm-hmm. and just seeing his hair kind of wild and his eyes glowing red. But I think it was 
it was one of the other bugs for sure, but they were like, oh, this is this is how the new gods operate. They hit children, huh? I was like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. He got zapped, sent him into a rage. He's pretty much going Hulk until he gets a little FaceTime with the mother box, or as he just refers to it as mother box. I just found some fun trivia. Oh, yeah, what you got? So you mentioned um, stop 16 is typically where they stop at. Yeah. Um, there's a whole line of 16s. Yeah. Raquel lives in apartment 416. Hmm. Raquel and Amistad usually get off on 16th Avenue. Mm-hmm. Noble Davis lives in apartment 116. That's Rocket J. Baby that's Daddy. The, yeah, Baby Daddy. Okay. Uh, Rocket J. Forger approach New Genesis Exosphere at 816. Oh. And Jovita is the 16th would-be rebel captured by Malefic. Ah, interesting. There was a lot of 16s, apparently. Yeah, 16s out the wazoo. <laughs> <laughs> but you you just mentioned uh, Ma'afalek, and it, it's kind of interesting that you said Jay Garrick was your favorite character, because I'm hesitant to say that Ma'afalek was my favorite character in this episode, but I did think that he had some of the most gripping moments like when we had those flashes to i believe the planet was called armageddon or armageddon or something like that and basically you saw all these humans that were basically living in a dystopian society and it felt like it was kind of in the shadow of apocalypse and they had these apocalyptic new gods kind of ruling over them and there was the suggestion of rebellion and you had you know this young guy come into the bar suggesting that they had the numbers to overtake the new gods of apocalypse if they wanted to and he recruits this young girl and it was all just a very very insidious scheme to arrest her and if i'm not mistaken i think they said that was his 16th arrest Maybe yeah that was, that was one of the trivias i said oh, okay perfect okay yeah that's what you just said okay so yeah to see him you know transform into from that young character into uh into his marsh white martian form and all so that he could get an audience with Darkseid. Pretty scheming and uh, riveting stuff for me. Especially coming off the last time we saw him. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm glad his nefariousness has been put to use. Uh, I mean, it, it'll be cool watching, um, not cool per se, because it's <laughs> unfortunate, but Megan to have to battle him again. Because clearly he's high up at Darkseid and you're wondering like what he actually wants. Um, they said that he'd be getting his boon. Have we been calling it wrong? Is it boon tubes this whole time or? No, no, it's boom tubes. Boon is like another word for like treasure or what you've been seeking. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I feel better. Um, <laughs> I was very confused. I was like, all this for a boom tube? Uh, so yeah, like I'm curious, like what's his objection? Oh, oh my God. I haven't done this in two weeks, guys. What's good. his objective? What is he doing all this for? Like, what's so precious that he's working with Darkseid, knowing that that could possibly not end well? You know, objection is not entirely inaccurate. He was on trial the last time we saw him on Mars. That's true. So, yeah, it works. But you brought up McGann and how her next interaction with him is going to go. But I also think about their older sister, now that she's living on Earth with McGann. And what's her name? Like M- MC or something like that? Emery? Emery. Okay. 
yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see how they continue that through line because as much as they were able to bury the, bury the hatchet between them, um, Emery and McGann, I'll be interested to see if it's like the two sisters united are finally able to take him off this very dark path that he's gone down. We shall see. I hope he doesn't recruit Emery at some point. Ooh. Because that would give McGann's line of, I need my brother so much more weight. Mm. If her own two siblings are actually like conspiring against her. I don't, I don't think she deserves that. She's dealt with enough. <laughs> don't do that to McGann. It's not fair. Yeah, she, she's got 90 <laughs> siblings. I think three rebelling <laughs> against her. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it could it go. That, it could very well go that way. I wouldn't be surprised if it went that way. I'm just hoping that it doesn't. I, I hope she gets Connor back soon because that's that's going to be a lot. Mm. It was kind of interesting to see how Maafalek has really come into his own. To the fact that he's almost got like this chip on his shoulder, even in front of Dark Side. Like he sucks it up and says what he has to. Like I will, you know, I await my next orders. I'll I'll do what I have to. Mm-hmm. But then uh, as soon as he gets into that bubble with the other bug mantis and this mystery character that we have been wondering who they are this entire season he's immediately like doesn't beat around the bush he's like i know who this is who are you yeah because if you're told you need to listen to them like you're listening to dark side like Correct. his rebellious nature is going to be like why like what have you done right to make me right. wanna, need to respect you like that yeah it sets us up for this reveal. It is Lore Zod. And I did not know anything about the character of Lore Zod going in. But we did have the speculation about, you know, with every season, it seems like the first letter of every episode spells out some message for us. So Andrew and I were speculate, speculating about, like, it seems to be, you know, uh, Neil before we were wondering if it was God or Zod Mm. and it definitely seems like it's going that way with this one being called beyond that sets up before, but now we've got the inclusion of lore Zod who in the comics is general Zod's uh, biological son with a character named Ursa, but he's not really raised by Zod. I guess he grew up while Zod was in the phantom zone and he's actually adopted by Clark Kent and he goes by the name of Christopher Kent and he's actually a hero and I guess at some point in the comics he actually goes on to take up the mantle of Nightwing so this seems Mm -hmm. to be a very different uh, take on the character different adaptation making him villainous and a time traveler but he definitely seems to have you know is he a time traveler? he is yeah he was the one that we saw basically stalking Saturn Girl, Phantom Girl, and Chameleon Boy when they were, you know, following Superboy mm. around on Mars. And he was the one that caused the cave-in that caused Connor to quote-unquote die in the first place. Interesting. Yeah. So it'll definitely be fascinating to see where they go with that character. But at the same time, we got that revelation. We did spend some time back in what has now been confirmed as the Phantom Zone. And I, I, for one, was kind of relieved to find that the hallucinations of Lex Luthor were just that as the episode was kind of going along and, you know, Connor was having um, these hallucinations about 
being that version of the Superboy that Lex Luthor intended him to be in the first place. Mm-hmm. I actually wondered if Andrew was right on the money where maybe this was taking place in another like genomorph cryogenic tube and it was Lex Luthor on the outside influencing his thoughts and whatnot. But turns out it was all just hallucinations. Yeah, I think he's just like tapping into a subconscious just to process like what's happening. Right. Uh, you know, he's been in uh, just in this void state for so long, like his brain's just messing with him. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't know what's real and what's not real, but we know that he's real. We know that Phantom Girl's real. And the other person that's real there is Druzod, who is General Zod. I like the way that he said, like, do you recognize me? No. We've never met before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good way of getting him to realize, though, that he, he would only be seeing people that he'd met before if they were coming mm-hmm. from his own memories. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a nice touch. I, yeah. I think it kind of relaxed Connor a little bit, too. Like, oh, OK, I actually know you like we could be making some progress here on getting out of this hole. Yeah. And it seems like he's slowly but surely getting his mental faculties back, but they're not back entirely because when Zod asks him who he is, he says, I am the Superboy. He's like, okay, if you say so. Hmm. Which makes me think he has some familiarity with Superman. I know in, uh, in his like origin story, he was not banished to the Phantom Zone by Superman originally. It was by his father, Jor-El. I'm wondering. So you know how the time travelers were like, somewhat distraught that after asking for superman's help nothing changed right what if this was the change like what if this guy is in front of superboy because superman made that change and this guy survived in the future and actually made his way back to talk to connor zod yeah hmm like he re-entered the phantom zone on purpose yeah like he actually did survive his fate as a result of Superman being where he needed to be 10 years from now. Hmm. And now he's making his way back to help Superboy because he knows where he is. It's a stretch. Well, it would just be a, but the timing is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it'd just be a completely different take for the character because if he's trying to help Superboy in earnest, typically Zod is a villain. Mm hmm. But yeah, no, they're making his son, his biological son, a villain where he's typically been a hero in the comics. So yeah, maybe they might be inverting the roles there where he has to maybe try to redeem his son that he's never really known. But I do think that Zod's going to be Superboy's guide to getting out of the Phantom Zone one way or another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really interested to see how, because I know I, I can't believe that Zatanna like wouldn't have a part because she's the one that kind of recognized that he might still be around or like his spirit might be around uh so I'm, right. I'm, I'm excited to see like how these arcs tie together to potentially bring him back but man I gotta add for all the Dragon Ball Z fans out there okay. when when the time travelers like approach Clark and said like you need to be here 10 years from now it really reminded me of Trunks oh when sure I <laughs> told Goku to do that and then Goku got sick yeah 
uh, you know, he gave him the antidote and all that. And like ever since then, like whenever I think about that scene or just kind of have this conversation, like the music from Dragon Ball Z kind of just rolls in my head. <laughs> uh, going yeah. into that, I was just it was it was so nostalgic just being up in the air and the way that they were talking. <laughs> it's great. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Anime I don't know if my mind life. went there. <laughs> no, that's all I can think about. Yeah. It's like, we're from the future. We need your help. We need to be in this spot 10 years from now. I'm like, Trunks? Okay. Okay. He's also my favorite character in Dragon Ball Z. So. Oh, Trunks is an excellent character. He's got one of the coolest Super Saiyan transformations as well. Mm-hmm. I love, I love how his hair goes up. Yeah. But, you know, it did feel good to find that Andrew and I were pretty much right on the money, not only about it being the Phantom Zone, but also about Zod. That was pretty satisfying to get those revelations like back to back. So, and I liked the way they did it too, with just the location placard that again, I never pay that much attention to, but I damn mm-hmm. well paid attention to it when it said the Phantom <laughs> Zone. <laughs> yeah. As soon as that part popped up, because it slowly came up too. It wasn't like the typical, like, like typed up. Right. It was like, Ah, 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 just this revelation of like and and for me like reading that i was like that level of like intense reveal was totally for the two of you <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> but it's thinking about that reveal right there it's got me wondering about the title of this episode beyond the grip of the gods what does I mean, that mean is that referring I, to the phantom zone i feel like it's referring to kind of like the oppression of new genesis Especially okay. with like Forager's background of like, you know, everybody on New Genesis was basically like enslaved because the new gods mm. were so like cruel to them and whatnot. So I feel like this is kind of like a stepping up type of story. You see the, you know, the other foragers or whatnot, like, you know, standing up to the gods and stuff. And the gods have like the rules of consent with going into their villages and their hives. So, okay. I'm, that's I'm how I that. took the title of just kind of like, you know, growing out of oppression. But that's just me. Okay, I buy that. It could be something bigger than that. I buy that. Yeah, it could be something smaller than that. It yeah. could just be a cool name. Who knows? Yeah, that works though. I like that explanation. I guess um, apart from the feedback that we need to tackle, the main other thing that happened in this episode that we kind of highlighted at the beginning there was the in credit scene in which we had a entire screen filled with potential candidates for the Justice League reserves. So not only did I take a picture, but I actually have Ooh. like a list of um people. Okay. It says non-speaking role, and next to each name it says picture. Right. But also on this trivia fact, which I totally did not get, on the on the continuity section it says Raquel has the group photo of the original teen okay. uh seen in Artemis and Will's house in Tale of Two Sisters, taking moments before Red Arrow joined the Justice League in Usual Suspects. So that was cool. It's actually a picture of the team. So like when it has like some oh. of these people like Zatanna and it says picture next to them, it's because they were in the original team picture. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Got to appreciate that continuity. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of these people's names I don't remember. So, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to find a list. Hmm. Um, I so did notice go- that both versions of guardian were side by side. Mm hmm. The Harper clone, as well as uh, Mal, I believe his name was. Yeah, Mal. Yeah. 
So this isn't the the order that the pictures are displayed, but the alphabetical order that this article has it. So I'm mm. going to go off of that and just kind of looking back and forth to see like who they're referring to. Okay. The first one is Adam Strange. Ooh. We haven't uh, seen so him since season two, I believe. Wasn't he in season three? Maybe he was Some in of the season Boom three. Tube stuff. I think it was very. Oh, small, he was, but... yeah, because he was there with uh, when Black Lightning had his unfortunate scenario that caused him to retire. Mm-hmm. And then his uh, partner Alana. Okay. Yeah. Apparently on here. Where is she? Oh, she's standing right next to him. Okay. Uh, Artemis. I think that's the picture that was in that fun fact. Okay. Asa- Asami Koizumi. Uh, she was one of the runaway teens. Oh, okay. I, re- I think I remember her, yeah. I'm trying to... Yeah, the teenage Japanese girl wears an upward ponytail. I can see that. What was her power? Chi manipulation. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so she was just part of the group that just was um, talking in Japanese the whole time. Mm-hmm. How do you pronounce this name? Baarzum, the former Green Beetle. Yeah, Green Beetle. Yeah, he was on there. Woohoo. Love that guy. Lightning. Bumblebee's on there. Clayface mm. is on there. Clayface. Interesting. Like, what's his uh, development or what's his growth? Huh. I mean, we, I know we had the one episode with him, but it was just, it threw me off to see him on there. Uh, Delphus, who I absolutely love, and that is, I, just, I think she's one of my new animated crushes. Um, <laughs> but the reason that I recognized her was when she had her change like she was like the one girl with the very distinct indian accent and she made comments about being indian too right so when she, when she uh, that's why i remember her story of like her getting gills and aqualad mm. you know taking her to atlanta so that she belongs somewhere and that she can like learn and stuff so when she came up with that oh so beautiful indian accent i was like <laughs> hello how are you doing <laughs> Yeah, so I caught on to her right away, and I was really happy with her inclusion in that episode. Uh, so Delphis was one of them. Who is Dubilex? Double X is oh. the genomorph that refers to Superboy as brother. He's like the yes. scientist one. Yeah. Yeah, so the brother is an option for the Justice League Reserve. Father Ooh. Box, G-Genome. Don't know who that is. Oh, that's Illusion. That wasn't even one of the pictures. Is it G genome or genome? Genome. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, he was just one of the illusions. So we have Guardian Jim Harper and Guardian Malcolm Duncan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have Isis, uh, the Egyptian goddess, who kind of just popped in for like one quick scene and then just. I, I, we I remember us kind of thinking like, all right, she's just here and then just. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's that was right. one of those one of those just like random ones, like, alright, what's her inclusion? Right, right. Uh Jason Blood, who I was very excited to see. Interesting, interesting. And they even um they Superman even like makes the mention of uh Etragon and how they don't have a picture of him, but they didn't right. have Jason Blood on there, so that was a cool uh cool reference. Uh Calvin Cool to see him again. Picture. Uh Khalid Nasur, who's one of the Mantles of Fate was on there. Right, the Sentinels of Magic, right? He's part of Zatanna's Sentinels mm-hmm. of Magic, right? Yeah, okay. uh, that was the one where you know he was very distinct on pronouncing his name of Khalid. Yes, it's not Khalid. I think uh, we might have messed up last week, but yeah, I think <laughs> I tried to correct myself. 
Uh, Madam Xanadu. Powerful psychic and Oculus based in New Orleans. Cool. This is a fake fortune teller. Kent Nelson's visited her. Zatanna and her students visited Madame Zanadu from Harlem entrance of her parlor. Trying to find the power, the power source and all that from uh, all the chaos stuff. Hmm. Mary Bromfield. Is that the Mary? Yep, that's, yeah, that's that was, the Shazam yep. Mary. Correct. She's she's up there in the first row. Uh, Red Arrow. So I guess he hasn't been part of a team in a while. Uh, Garth. Nope. Garth was the original Aqualad. I did some reading recently. And what's funny is when I click on his name, in parentheses, his name is Tempest. That's I think that's what he's going by in like the new continuity. But back in like the like sixties when Aquaman was a little bit more of a laughable character. He was the original Aqualad. Mm. So we got Troya. We got Ty Longshadow, which is another one of the runaways. Yeah, he was uh, the one with the giant Native American entity. Yeah. And then we have Wynn and Zatara, which, I man, that guy needs to retire. I don't, I guess I get that it's reserves, but just yeah. relax. Like, you've been he's, through enough. Yeah, he's earned his rest. And Superman and Black Lightning's heads are both blocking off one person each. I'm just going to say one of them's Andrew. <laughs> Sounds and about right. <laughs> yeah, that's the list. That's just you know, it's cool seeing all these people. Yeah, yeah. Some of those are pretty surprising, but I think the most surprising one for me is still Clayface. I would love to know the story there, how Batman redeemed him or rehabilitated was the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. From his, from his criminal past. Yeah. The saboteur who ran interference on Mars and inhospitable Nephon volunteers revealed. Who's, was that? That was Lorzad. That was oh, our time okay. traveler. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, after declaring the CV bug was female, Forger asked Jay if his gender wasn't obvious. That was a nice call back to the Bioship episode. Hmm. Is it that obvious? <laughs> so don't put that on me uh, any other fun facts on here Superboy recites the same pre-programmed speech he uttered in fireworks when Aqualad asked him who he was right I am the Superboy I am meant to replace Superman if he should ever fall from the light right yeah and take well take him down or replace him um, right. I thought that my speaker cracked at this point when Superboy was snapping Batman's back Oh, yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. I was reading this fact, the image of Superboy breaking Batman's uh, back past stitches the cover of Batman 497, which Bane performs the deed. Uh, so right. I thought you recognized it, but me just focusing on that uh, sound and mm. kind of the shocking image, it just slipped my mind that it was Bane. But yeah, those are pretty iconic. So that's it for the for the continuity and the trivia facts. Thank you, uh, Young Justice Fandom Wiki. Thank you indeed. Thank you indeed. All right, you ready to tackle this feedback from Mr. T.J. Stafford? Yeah. So, well, this line is definitely for you guys. You guys called it. Connor yeah. is in the Phantom Zone, and your theory about Zaz seems to be right on the money. Tell him what we've won. <laughs> The opportunity for another episode. 
Now to the meat of it. My wife is a special education teacher who primarily teaches students with severe autism. I'm nowhere near the expert she is, but living with her has apparently rubbed off on me. Watching this episode, I immediately recognize the signs in Rocket's son, and I suspect Orion may be battling something similar. Unfortunately, Rocket doesn't seem to recognize it just yet. Hopefully she will soon so that they can work together. This is a form of representation I never expected to see in this medium, but I'm so here for it. The season especially seems to be trying to shine a light on so many issues in our world, and it's a beautiful thing. I'm definitely looking forward to spending more time with the new gods in this arc and more time with Rocket. She's always been around, but we've never spent any real time with her before. Thanks as always for letting me rant, TJ Stafford. This is a safe place for you to rant, TJ. (laughs) Thank you for your feedback, and yeah, thank you for that insight. Um... I, if, if your wife has any like particular thoughts, if she watches the show alongside you ever and, you know, has some feedback about the portrayal of this particular disorder that is, that is autism. It's not necessarily debilitating people, you know, can live happy and fulfilling lives with the right treatment and whatnot. But yeah. Smart as a whip. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they seem to be high functioning in like certain, areas but then just level of observation is incredible right exactly yeah because like he knows that uh, anastad knows that uh bus stop is coming up like well before any other child his age Mm -hmm. would pick up on something like that there was a couple other cues like in the first dialogue i just i can't remember what they were you know it's Mm. amazing that i get to watch the episode once before recording well i guess thinking back on his first appearance where excuse me his first appearance where he pointed out the the baby being in her mm-hmm. belly like yeah, yeah any any kid that's like of that age that they're still being held would like not make that connection they'd still be thinking like the stork is going to drop off a baby i would imagine so yeah there's, there's a baby in that belly <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah there's definitely some uh high level intellect there we take feedback as email and voice recording so if anybody actually has like an exciting moment or something they really want to get off their chest let's hear those voices yeah we encourage you to rant and to gush in both email and audio form you can hit us up at animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com follow us on our instagram which is just animation deliberation and if you want to see what we're doing on twitter it's just animation delib number one and zuhair anything you want to let the people know about for this week before we get out of here not quite. I might be making a couple more appearances on 323 with Reed Murphy. So if you haven't already, help our, our buddy podcast out and give him a, a subscribe. Yeah, I saw it looked like he was doing some coverage of KatsuCon. I don't know where that yeah. was taking place. but yeah. yeah, there was one that he did a couple months ago. I finally got the YouTube stuff up and then uh, he's in the works of being an awesome con in DC Ooh, in June cool. as well. Very cool. Yeah. Give them some support. Give us some support as well, if you don't mind. We would definitely appreciate any reviews wherever you catch your pods. Uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify. All those places are great places to leave us a rating or review. And again, share the show with any of your friends that love this animated content as much as we all do. And I believe that's it for me this week. So thanks for tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. Stay whelmed. 
Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. When you're at Walt Disney World Resort for the world's most magical celebration, every moment is amazing and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Stay near the magic. Book your theme park tickets and get hotel rates from $94 per night plus tax at DisneySpringsHotels.com slash 50. Rates based on availability. Blockout dates may apply. See website for details. This is Claudia's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. I had just moved to a new city and barely even knew where the grocery store was yet. When my car wouldn't start one morning, I didn't know who to ask about local shops. But I remembered a name from back home, O'Reilly Auto Parts. I called and they pointed me to a great mechanic just down the street. Now, I feel a little more at home. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard to recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hoping for. Your hard to recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today.